0: So I say stand in your confidence, stand in your purpose, whatever it may be, and go talk to these people who are making decisions about our lives on a daily basis. I tell people this all the time. Our local politicians, this shit's more important right now than what's happening in D.C., right? right? Because they are dictating who gets the new roads. They're dictating where the new streetlights go. They're dictating if there's a bike lane or a fixed fucking sidewalk for your kids to ride on the damn sidewalk, you know what I'm saying, with their bikes. Those are the people who are making those decisions. And it could be a small thing like, hey, this four block section of road in this area hasn't been fixed in 20 years. Right. And we don't have a working street light on these blocks. Can we
1: get that? Hey guys, what's good? Welcome to the Cosign Life. If you're watching this video, that means you cosign us and we co-sign you. So here are a couple of ways to support us at Cosign Magazine. Number one, the description below click the link and purchase an issue of cosign magazine it's like this this one right here physical you can purchase this number two you can also support us by purchasing cosign merch hit the link below and it'll take you to all our past merch items and we'd love to have your support and see you wear cosign magazine world, Welcome back to another episode of Cosign Conversations. Uh, today we have my guy, Scotty Smith of Scotty Smith & Associates, serial entrepreneur, real estate investor. Matter of fact, all things real estate, man. How you doing today, brother? Good, man. Man, it's been a, it's
0: been a long, long time coming. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited.
1: Thank so. you. Thank you, man. So we met a while ago, bro. Love what you're doing. Love what you're doing in the community, South Dallas, man. Um, Are you going to tell the people how we met?
0: And our conversation that started. Yeah, that let's, really, let's, let's start yeah. there. I'm trying to figure out how we
1: did meet. Like, I, I was—I remember—I used to see you used to do some things at your spot every Tuesday. Yeah, the Think Tank. Yeah, The Think Tank every Tuesday. Um, but at this time, I was living in Mansfield, Arlington, yeah. so it was hard for me to come to them, bro. But I think the first time we actually met was at
0: Brandon's. Uh, the wine tasting. What was yeah. it called? The conglomerate, or what was the, it yeah, called? The, conglomerate. the conglomerate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was a. Uh, that was,
1: <laughs> yeah. that's
0: really when we connected. Yeah, that's when we connected. You know, we, we did meet at the Think Tank. I think you came to maybe one yeah. of them or something like that that I remember staying mm. around for. Right. And then we had to, you know, of course I started following i like, yo, I like this content. I yeah. like what they're doing. For sure. and then we really had an opportunity to kind of you know, build and exactly. connect at, at the conglomerate wine
1: yeah. tasting. Exactly, more, yeah. on a, more on a personal level. Yeah, Can't tell y'all the story of how the wine tasted when. Just know they was on you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was on me for my my wine selection of choice for the evening. Right, right. But it came with a great story, yeah. man. And then, you know, we've been tapped in and been talking about doing this for a minute. And and, and now we're here, man. Yeah. Um, but even as somebody who's followed you, bro, and, you know, Admire what you're doing. There's still so many layers to you. Yeah, yeah, still many, so many things I don't know. So I'm excited because I'm coming from a place of curiosity today. Yeah. So if you don't mind, brother, I would like to start from start from the beginning. You know what yeah, saying? man.
0: You know, uh, it's so funny because you know we were talking about this earlier, but I've been meaning to really make it a point to tell the story of what I've been doing. Right. And uh, I'm not good at that. I'm really from. From the school of let your work speak for, for itself, self. right? But um, in a world where uh, social media yeah. uh, can paint a different picture, Definitely. right? And so if it's not on social media, a lot of people think it doesn't exist, yeah, it didn't right? Yeah. And so shout out to you know everybody that's that's transitioning to this whole metaverse because they're going to win. You know oh, I mean? yeah. But the stuff that's happening in, in real life, you know, it, it takes time and it takes energy and it takes brain power, so much so that I oftentimes forget to post it. You know what right. I mean? And, and by the time it's a, uh, something that you should be captured, mm-hmm. I'm just like, damn, I'm really excited that we're done with this. Right. Let these people get what they need to get. Move them in. Let's mm-hmm. go to the next one. You so, know, some of the most
1: successful people, bro, aren't actually on social media. And that's crazy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But you have, you have this um, you know, the generation who wants to show every move. Yeah. Sometimes it comes from a place of seeking validation. Right. You know, when you're actually building and creating and you know, doing the hard work, it's not about validation because you know what you're accomplishing, you yeah. know what you're doing, so you don't always look to immediately post. But on the other side, it could be inspiring, motivating yeah. to show that side, to show that story. Because you're originally from Dallas, right?
0: I'm originally from Houston. From Houston, and, okay. And, and this is one of the reasons why I'm really excited to be here because, you know, I've st- I started this real estate journey okay. when I was uh, 18 years old, man. Okay. Oh, and wow. So I came up here to the North Texas area when I was 18 in 05. Okay. And just far enough from Houston where, you know, I could mm. f- have some freedom but still close enough where I can go back and get a hot meal and my right. clothes washed exactly. by my mom and all that type of stuff. But I came up here my first year at UNT, University of North Texas, shout out to, uh, to me and Green. Okay. But my first year, I, uh, I took a class in real estate. I came up to North Texas to be an accountant. Okay. Right? I want to be, you know, uh, you know, I want to work for the big four mm-hmm. and you know, make partner one day and take yeah. over the accounting world. I right? You. But, you know, my teacher, John Bang, Dr John Bain, I took one of his classes, man, and it was you know kind of this whimsical, just real nutty professor type mm-hmm. situation and he walked in it's really like the first day of class, okay. and he had like all of his papers like <laughs> was it, was i'm a, like, dude, what it just, like, <laughs> right it was a mess and he he slapped the stuff down and uh not hello class, welcome to real estate one hundred and one, you know, like all the rest of the teachers for freshmen. Right. But his first words to the class of about one hundred and fifty, almost two hundred people, if you don't own real estate by the end of this class, uh, you didn't learn shit, and I ain't teaching shit. Hey. And I said,
1: I'm like, dude, if I go
0: home today, I still got a curfew in my mama house. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But you want us to own some real estate by the end of this semester? Bro, You, this is wild. It's so, like
1: four months, four or right. five months. Yeah. So
0: it ended up being one of the most life-changing and dynamic classes that I had ever taken in my life, bro. Okay. And so I didn't own anything by the end of that semester. But by the end of the next semester, I had bought my first property at the age of 19. Oh, and right. so I couldn't even go and celebrate that win at the bars because I wasn't old enough. Right. right? And so I bought my first house. I rented it out to some people uh, that I knew from school. And so, like, that was mm-hmm. my first intro. I was still staying in the apartments. You okay. know what I'm saying? And I had a house, and people didn't understand that.
1: Okay, let's unpack this right yeah. here. This is, this is what I love about this conversation. So, 19, mm-hmm. you bought your first property. Yep. I'm pretty sure that you had financial aid or took out student loans to go to school? Yes, no, I, I did. did. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at that age, how do you even get the finance to buy your first property? What did you do to get the down payment? How did you find a property? Walk us through that whole process. At so, 19.
0: Yeah, so that was that was really dope. So I was at, before I became the brads Omega Psi Phi. Okay. Um, I was in a business fraternity, Alpha Kappa Psi. Okay. And one of the uh, one of the members of that organization was a bank uh, was a bank manager. Okay. And she hired me as a bank manager. And she pretty much was like, Hey, you can't have my job. Which job do you want? Mm-hmm. I was like was the highest paying right now, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was about 17 bucks an hour. Okay. But that's not really where I made you know, my down payment. I did um, this business plan competition called mm-hmm. the Murphy Enterprise Business Plan Competition. Okay. And my whole idea of really just kind of changing the community and revitalizing the communities that have been oftentimes looked over, mm-hmm. it started there. So you started so, early. Yeah, I started early. Um, but what happened was I didn't win. Okay. I, I didn't win. The first place prize was 50 grand, second place prize was 25 grand and third place prize was 15,000. He didn't win. And I didn't win, you didn't place at all. Okay. But they were so impressed by what I wanted to do that they essentially made a scholarship for me, and I ended up getting a $10,000 scholarship. Ah. And that scholarship money helped me with my down payment. Okay. And so I had a job, right? Okay. And, you know, in that time oh, oh, 0607, oh, so I had a job. Um and I had the down payment assistance, you know, from, okay. my, from my scholarship. And so yeah. those two things, back then, you know, you had a post. You could walk into a bank and get a,
1: right. and
0: get a loan. So that's how I was able to do it.
1: Okay, and where was the first property you purchased at?
0: 1201 Paco <laughs> Trail. I'll never forget that. Denton, Texas. Oh,
1: it was in Denton. Denton,
0: Texas, okay. 76209. Do you still have it? So I, I actually sold that property in okay. 2015 when I started the stuff for... Uh, for South Dallas so okay. all the redevelopment. So I sold my entire portfolio cuz that's how I was bought in. I was like I'm going I'm going to do this. Everything oh, got to go. So yeah.
1: Okay, man. It's a lot to unpack. Okay, let's not skip that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <start>. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. you know
0: that that whole thing was uh it was pretty dope, man, from from you know, just kind of inception mm-hmm. to close because I'm like, dude, like I barely got a bank account. Right. Like, I'm just now getting I didn't have no credit cards. Like it was it was interesting, right? But the story gets better because what opened up from there is, you know, that was my first property. I bought a rental, and then I just started really digging into <coughs> it. And then, you know, about a year, you know, six months to a year later, I bought, you know, I did a wholesale deal, um, grabbed something from an auction. And sold it to this Asian guy, and I made thirty five thousand dollars on that one. Yes. And then after that, 1820. Yeah, after that, I took you know I took what I had there and bought a flip in Irving. Mm. Um, and so before I was twenty one, I had bought essentially bought and sold three property, well, bought three properties, Probably. sold two, you know, sold right. one and had one for a rental. Um, and the one in Irving was my first big flip. Okay. And it was at the end of 2007, I finished the property. It was December of 2007. Um, I finished the property, it was beautiful, had a contract to close on it. And then from December 31st to like January 1st, it's like the weirdest thing. The contract got canceled because the bank couldn't lend them any money. That was the start of the day. You know, the um, financial yeah, you know, the downfall, yeah. right? The recession hit. And so, essentially, I, I didn't lose, but I didn't really win. Right. It was like, I think I walked away with like 200 bucks. Like, so, we just called it break <laughs> even, yeah. After the, for the flip? After the flip, yeah. Wow. It was a situation where, you know, had I been able to close that just 30 days earlier, really? it would have been a massive win. Mm. But because the Great Recession kind of ushered its way in, you know, shoot, man, I was happy to be. <laughs> <laughs> but at
1: this time, were you um you were already making passive income from the one and ten, right? Yep. So you're profiting some of that. Yep. You got the uh, the wholesale. You made thirty five k. So that deal didn't go well. Yep. And then the recession hits. Yep. So how did you survive through that? You were still working at the bank.
0: Yeah, so I was still you know part time at the bank, finishing mm-hmm. up school. Um, I end up getting my my real estate license then, okay. right? And so the whole goal with that, I was still in school whole goal with that was to f- figure out a way to make a little bit of money, but also help some of my friends get rental properties that weren't on campus or near campus that mm-hmm. weren't considered a student housing, so we wouldn't get our parties shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. really what the whole concept of that was. But um, and when you know the recession hit, nobody was lending any money for you know investment properties like mm-hmm. that. You just had to be cash heavy, and I was really still a kid. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and so I just kind of still made my way. I ended up changing my major from finance to, uh, oh, excuse me, from accounting to finance okay. uh, with a, a minor in real estate and just went from there.
1: So UNT just, offers degrees in real estate? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So before we continue on the real estate journey, but let's talk about mindset real quick mm-hmm. because I've been 17, 18, 19 in college. Yeah. And a lot of us at that time aren't thinking, you know, as far as ahead that you're yeah. thinking. Oh, or, yeah. So what do you acute, like, your mindset to at that early of an age? Like, was that already instilled in you growing up? Or, or where did all this come from? Because not everybody's thinking like that.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm from a huge family, man. Okay. It's, uh, my family is like the Black Brady Bunch, right? So when my mom and my stepdad met, they each had three. Okay. Right here's the story. Right? <laughs> they each had three, yeah. but then they had four together. okay. And so we were, uh, we were a really large family, okay. you know what I mean? Uh, and you can just imagine, my pops was a contractor, you know, no college education. My mm. mom, you know, she went to UNT, she didn't finish. So, you know, her options were a little limited. Mm. Uh, so you can just imagine with such a large family, you mm. know, just kind of the struggle that. And my parents did their best, right? Gotcha. Um, they, they instilled hard work, you know, all the things necessary to really make good human beings. Right. Um, we're a Christian family, <clears throat> but I, in high school, I went to a performing arts high school in okay. uh, Houston, HSPVA, and seeing, you know, a different demographic of people outside of the hood, South yeah. Park that I was standing in, and, and, and seeing people's first cars being Mercedes Benz and BMWs and, right. and, and foreigns Where mine was a GMC Safari Astro, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Which yeah. I loved. I flipped that like it, you know. I took no, care exactly. of it. It was always clean. But I had Mitsubishi Galant. Right, right. <laughs> and so I, I, I saw that, and I'm like, dang, what are, what's going on? And right. I took you know I took I took some you know DJing stuff. Right. So they had DJing classes at at my school, oh, okay. and I did that. So I was the DJ. My cousin and I were the DJs for everybody's parties. You oh, know, black okay. folks, white folks, Asian. And I dJed a party uh, in the River Oaks area of Houston that's in, in Dallas it would be equivalent to Highland Park okay um, and so I, I took a uh, I took a gig for one of the the white girls <laughs> and yo I was DJing on the roof of this house mm-hmm. and I just it just messed me up and I'm like what the hell does your parents do, you know what I mean? And she said her dad was an entrepreneur, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, what exactly does he do? And and, you know, so it was all that, and so that experience opened my mind up to something, and then when Robert Kiyosaki dropped Mm, his book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, I was in high school, and you know, I was like, yo, I'm trying to, I thought football was gonna take me to where I needed to go, but I started reading his book. The librarian and I were really cool. Uh, and she said, "You need to read this book." Mm. And I read that book, and I'm like, "Yo,
1: game changer,
0: game changer." And so when I got to college, I came in with a mission. Yeah. Like I'm finna use this for years, and I'm about to take, you know, I'm about to take my family to a new, to a brand new level. Yeah. And realistically, I came, I came to North Texas to play football. I was a, I was a preferred walk on. I was mm-hmm. there during summer workouts. I thought that I was gonna make yeah. it to the NFL. Um but you know they had the scouts the NFL scouts out there you you know I was 185 190 yeah. <laughs> uh running back and uh practice I'm talking about one of the practices there was like six or seven scouts out there and mm-hmm. first team defense was showing out <laughs> <laughs> Hey man <laughs> dude hit me so hard bro I went <laughs> took my helmet off sat on the sideline I said yeah I'm about to I'm about to really focus on this business. Had to to And so with yeah. that, um, you know, the Bible says there's life and death in yeah. what you speak. Mm-hmm. And so I start digging into that a little further. Okay, what you speak is really just you know it's the the vocalization of what you're thinking. Right. And then what you're thinking is really what's in your heart. And so I start doing I start doing a lot of mind work. Mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of, you know, understanding about what it is you're focusing on and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your conscious, your subconscious and what's called your metaconscious, thinking about what you're actually thinking about. And so those are things that, you know, I started really, really young, you know, when I was in college. And I just I didn't have any time to waste because, you Mm -hmm. know, my pops was sick, you know, so he wasn't working. I wanted to figure out a way to retire my mom. Right. And, you know, my siblings, my brother went to the Air Force and everybody else, you know, my brother went to Berkeley, but everybody else. We're just trying to figure it out. For you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just I made it up in my mind that I had to do this and a part of that, a big part of that was mindset. And right. so I spent a lot of time on that. Nah, I, spent, that's a, I spent a lot of time on
1: that. That's amazing. And then I I know discipline had to kick in. Yeah. Especially going to school, you know, seeing all the distractions, mm-hmm. things easily to take away, like like talk to us about discipline. Like one of my favorite quotes is uh, "discipline equals freedom." Yeah. Like no matter what aspect of your life uh, that you want freedom, discipline you know is the tool, the driving force to get you there. Yeah. Whether that's you know uh, a healthy body, mm-hmm. you gotta stay in the gym. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying whether that's more money, you gotta put in the work. Yeah. So talk to us about a discipline you've had at that age, and then we'll kind of get back into. It.
0: Man, you know, it was. I'll I, I say this: everybody has their vice, right? Yeah. And, um. It's still a constant struggle right now. But even then, you got your own freedom. Yeah. You can still do whatever you want to do. And even at that time, like, you kind of get distracted. It's college, it's beautiful women, it's you know, parties and right. this and drinking and, you know. But I think what separates people during those adolescent, youthful years yeah. um, is the people who have that goal in mind already versus the people who are still trying to figure it out because they use those opportunities in college to figure out stuff. Whereas when I came in, I knew what it was. Mm -hmm. I was going to take advantage of what it was. And so I treated college, I treated college really like like a job. Mm -hmm. Every single year of my college career, I had 8 o'clock classes. Every single year. It did not matter. Every single year, 8 o'clock classes, I was done with class by 12. Okay. Right. I was done with classes by twelve. By the time twelve came around, I was studying till five. Okay. Right? And so from twelve to five, I'm studying. After five, I can do whatever I want to do. At, at I can occasion. go to the gym, I can go hang out, I can go, you know, talk to the ladies. But that was my that was my that was my whole mindset. Like okay. my my entire mindset was treat this like the real world. This yeah. is my life right now. I'm gonna yeah. treat it as such. But also, you know, i I, I really um so I pledged too. You know what I mean. Uh, I pledged Omega Psi Phi in college, and a lot of that process helped me to understand mm-hmm. discipline and what's important. Okay. And some things weren't important, and I had to learn to leave that stuff alone yeah. and focus <laughs> on what it was because I didn't want I you know. Where a lot of my LBs, you know, didn't necessarily cross with high GPA, my GPA was a 3.1, 3.2 when I mm-hmm. crossed, right? And it's because I had those 8 o'clock classes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. getting done at 12, God, where mostly like everybody else is in class. Right. <laughs> Just getting started, I had that freedom. And so um, and anything that you do, it's important to make certain that your goals mm-hmm. and what your life mission is stays on the forefront of that. Gotcha. Because you know, folks might see me out, and they they might see and be like, "Oh, he's undisciplined." But you don't know what I got going yeah, on in the background, you bro. The background. You don't know what I did to even say that I deserve this night out, right? Yeah, and so, sure. um, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty much how it started.
1: Man, that's that's a crazy backstory. So, I would say 2015 is when you started like the initiative for yeah. South Dallas. That's actually tw- 2015. Is 2015. exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So, walk walk us up. Walk us up to there. So at, before this, you're still doing the fix and flips. The recession happens, mm-hmm. um, things starting to bounce back. I want to say maybe what 2011. 2011, is? 2012. 2011. Yeah. So what was what were you doing in those four years uh, in between till you really started to push uh, for the initiative you're on right now? That Good. So into?
0: you know the whole the whole industry took it went to hell in a handbasket. Okay. Right. Real estate was it was ridiculous, and so I took advantage of you know the opportunities with my degree and so okay. I got a uh, I got a full scholarship from Ernst and Young to go to Notre Dame. So I went oh. to Notre Dame to get my master's degree in a graduate school okay mm-hmm. and they uh, they paid for me to do that they paid for my lodging up there they paid for everything okay. I just had to work for them for a set number of years okay and so my last kind of month with you know at Notre Dame I was studying for my real estate brokers exam. Okay. So, you know, I was already working on the plan that I wrote right. down back when I was a teenager, essentially. So real quick, walk it. What, what what is the
1: brokerage, have, what does being a broker mean for people that don't know?
0: Okay, so a real estate broker, essentially, um, we are, I want to say, the gatekeepers for real estate, right, okay. for real estate sales. Okay. Uh, we have, we, we train, we teach, okay. we hire agents to work on our behalf okay. to help people realize the dream of home ownership. Okay. And so um, brokers are actually the business owner. So okay. when, you think about, when you think about the large real estate brokerages, um, so the Keller Williams, the, okay. the EXP, those are brokers, or brokerages, oh, and so gotcha. Scotty Smith & Societ- Associates is a broker. Is a okay, yeah. gotcha. Um, and so yeah, I, I passed that exam, but during that time I was working as an auditor. And okay. So for an accounting firm, one of the big four accounting firms, and appreciate that time because it gave me an opportunity to look at how business from a financial perspective is run. Okay. Um, and shit, man, goddamn, <laughs> I, I hated that shit. I hated yeah. every day. I knew what I wanted to do. I'm like, yeah. damn, I hope like we need to get this goddamn economy back rolling so I can get up out of here. But yeah. um, that's what I was doing. 2011, I started Scotty Smith and Associates, and then 2012. You know, I was I essentially was full time. I had okay. quit that and left it where it was. And, and
1: so you've been full time, full time entrepreneur since twenty twelve. Tw- yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let me ask you this: I'm pretty
0: sure you get asked this a lot, but let's do it on camera. Why South Dallas? It's that's a funny question. Let me tell you the true story of why South Dallas. Okay. I made a wrong turn. <laughs> I, I literally made a wrong turn. I was coming from my office. Uh, in Deep Bellum, mm-hmm. and I was supposed to go Commerce Street, and I was trying to get to East Dallas, and I made a left on mm-hmm. Malcolm X, and instead of making, I mean, excuse me, I made a right on Malcolm X, and I should have been making a left. Okay. So, instead of making this this left and going right, I ended up on Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about those cross of intersection, there's only four or five intersections where Malcolm and Martin cross okay. in the entire country. Okay. So, I was intrigued by that. Yeah. And so, crossed over and I'm like what where am I you mm-hmm. know I mean and so I started driving around and I am looking and there was nothing but vacancies mm-hmm. nothing but vacant lots and and run down homes and at that point and this was about 2014 2015 at that time there was 80% uh of the real estate was vacant properties or mm-hmm. vacant you know vacant land or vacant properties okay and so it was when I see stuff like that it was prime for redevelopment, then I started looking at the demographics, the people around. It reminded me of South Park in Houston where I okay. you know where I grew up. And so with that being said, I just was like, yo, we need to figure out what's going yeah. on over here. So I started digging and I realized that it was a lot like South Park mm. in in such that there was so much disinvestment from the city. Like the roads were shit, the sidewalks were yeah. shit, the amenities didn't exist. It was it was weird. The only thing that, that that they did have, they had a brand new fire station
1: okay.
0: and they had a brand new middle school. Yeah. And anytime I talk about redeveloping areas, I talk about three things. If there's uh, a new school, okay. if there's new city amenities... And if there's any road plans, infrastructure plans. Mm. Those are the three key things for gentrifying areas because they're not they're not building that for the current resident, they're right. building that for the residents that's gonna be here 15, 20 years from now.
1: So how do you find the third part, right? If somebody's so somebody's looking to an area like I'm from Colleen Okay. And I see that Colleen is growing, is growing out, where do you find information? Okay, they're they're working on, you know, the streets, the roads and you know, building in this area.
0: You gotta look at the bond packages, right? Okay. And that really just means hopping over to the city. To the city's websites, city council agenda, and see, because they got to post bond notices, okay. right, that says, hey, we're, we're trying to sell bonds for this. Essentially, we're paying for that type of stuff, you know what okay. I mean? Um, and that's debt that the city is taking on. So we're going to sell bonds, get a bunch of money, and these bonds are going to cover okay. roads, new schools, new, whatever, you know what okay. I mean? So you, Can anybody get into bonds? No, nah, that, that's that's well that's what, yes and no, but okay. that's a different that's a okay. different story. So bonds for the most part in this they're government government okay, bonds, right? See. So government paper, right? Okay. So you, you know when you like, I'm gonna go buy some bonds for my kid to put, yeah. you know, stocks in bonds right, and all that right. shit, you just you're just essentially buying uh, you're being a debt holder, right? Okay. So you go, you go buy that money, they say we're going to pay you back with this kind of interest, right? Okay. So you become a lender.
1: So you take the wrong turn, end up in South Dallas, you see the school, the, the, fire, uh, the fire station, station yeah. and okay,
0: you find out about the rebuilding of the roads and stuff, mm-hmm. and then what do you act upon next? Shoot, I start figuring out how I can buy as much stuff. And so what I end up doing is I found out that a lot of these lots were extremely cheap.
1: How cheap at that time?
0: Man, shit! I bought one of my lots for a thousand dollars. I bought one of my lots for five hundred bucks. I bought the house that the lot that I built my house on for seventy-five hundred bucks, and I got probably one of the best views of downtown from South Dallas.
1: And, and that's two thousand
0: fourteen. Yeah, that's yeah, two thousand fifteen at that point. Yeah.
1: So, so if somebody was to try to buy a lot in South Dallas right now, how much are they going for?
0: Oh, you're not going to find anything in South Dallas for less than six fifty thousand dollars. Is it
1: still a good investment?
0: Yeah. Because it just started. You know what I mean? It, it it really just started. And in 2015 when when I saw all of this available and I started thinking about and really diving into the history of Dallas, like all of the areas around downtown Dallas were originally black areas, right? Mm-hmm. So you got the uptown area, which was a freedman's town. You have, you got State Thomas, which was a Freedman town. You got, mm-hmm. you know, you got Oak Cliff right there, mm-hmm. where they call them Bishop Arch. You know, mm-hmm. that was black folks. Even some of, you know, West Dallas was black and brown people, right? And so the only area when you think about the core of the city that was available and still close. I'm right. 6 minutes from my door to, you know, my old office on Commerce Street. Right. I'm 6 minutes from downtown, yeah. right? That's the only area that was untouched, untapped and available. Mm-hmm. And so it was a it was a in my mind, it was two things that needed to happen, right? We need to we need to redevelop this area quickly right. and we needed to make certain that black folks were a part of that redevelopment. Mm-hmm. And black folks were a part of what was going on because I've seen it historically right. based on what's available right now around downtown I've seen it and yeah. it was not black folks no more Gotcha. so that was really the, the the true essence of why I said, you know I'm gonna do this
1: yeah okay so kind of talk walk us through now what your plan was and what you're accomplishing because at that point you're buying it up mm-hmm. so talk us to us about you know the building up of the South Dallas yeah. the, um, you know the development aspect of it what you're doing and you know how people is opportunities for people to still get involved, or, yeah. you know, kind of walk us through that right now.
0: Yeah, so South Dallas, you know, my vision for South Dallas is this: it's, it is to create uh, to create a Black mecca within the city of Dallas, okay. and what I mean by that is creating uh, a mixed income community, right, where all of our people can be comfortable uh, existing in, right. Mm-hmm. And so, if you think about like back in the day, you think about those neighborhoods, right. In, in, in a core neighborhood, you would have Dr. Jones, you have Mrs. So-and-so who was right. a teacher, mm-hmm. and you would have so-and-so that was a business professional, all on the same street, right? Mm. And you got that community village to, to really, you know, you know, you got folks from different socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds that were black, that, you know, whose kids played together, yeah, right, same neighborhood. you know, and that's, that's kind of um, what happened. But now, if you go anywhere in the city of Dallas, that really doesn't exist, right? And so it's it's, it's different ends of the spectrum, right? So you got some of the wealthier black folks live in one area, and and they push all the broke black folks to a different area, right? Right. But I feel like South Dallas can can be the community where both exist Mm -hmm. and both allow for all of us to really have the sense and the pride of a real and true black community. And so I'm talking black businesses. I'm talking about black homeowners. And so the things that I develop uh, goes against or counters a lot of what people from South Dallas think South South Dallas should be. Mm. And they feel like the only thing that should exist in South Dallas is low-income housing. Mm. And I don't, right? because there's a lot of people who grew up in South Dallas who moved to DeSoto, Duncanville, because there's there's nothing... Cedar Hill. Yeah, or Cedar Hill, (laughs) because there's nothing available, or there was nothing available there for them to buy and build in, you know what I mean? So I'm creating that, and that's what I'm I'm doing. Um, I'm building homes that are under $200,000. I'm building homes that are at $350,000, right? right? And so, and everything in between, and it's really to create this balance within the neighborhood, Mm -hmm. but also allow for everybody's property value to continue to rise. Because people want to be where neighborhoods are stabilized, Right. right? We're six minutes from downtown, which is businesses and and, and jobs. We we got a dope cultural center with the African American Museum and Fair Park and South Dallas Cultural Center. We're Mm -hmm. a couple minutes from AT&T Performing Arts Center. The only thing we're missing, grocery stores, you know, and those types of things, but it's coming, you know what I mean? Uh, And so, what I started doing, it literally disrupted Mm -hmm. some of the city's plans. And it's because they had to make certain they called me on things because I own. I own. Mm. And, you know, we talk about gentrification and we talk about all of those things, but and we don't want gentrification. But when people tell me that, I say, well, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? You want it to stay the same? Because if we build anything next to a dilapidated house, that's, that's considered gentrification by all means. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. And so do we want revitalization? Yeah, we can call it that. We can call it whatever you want. It. Right. But we need to be the ones doing it. Exactly. And so get your $1,000. <laughs> you get your home and get his $1,000. And y'all go buy some of this land. Right. And that's what I was telling people to do since 2015. And that was my, that was my sale. And I had people from South Dallas like, What? Oh, yeah. What you doing that for? <laughs> Who so, are, no, one, one lady, one lady asked me, "Who are you building that house for?" Mm. And it was in a it was in a public forum, so I had to give the political correct answer. Okay. Right? But my answer was, "I'm trying to build a community for us." Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and if you can't see that, get out the way. Know, <laughs> Move you. to see the hill. So <laughs> let me ask you
1: this though, when when you're doing this, when does it become like a selfless act because you can you can honestly buy buy it all up for yourself. You can. And develop for yourself, all right. but why do you want to give those opportunities, you know, saying to others? Because with, you're doing real. you do all types of real estate, so right. you can really take over everything. Yeah, like, you're giving our people opportunities to buy a land as, as well and to join you on these endeavors.
0: Yeah, so um, it's one, it's lonely at the top, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yes. offering people these opportunities that they didn't know existed right. is really what gives me the joy, okay? Um, and then You really can't build a community when it's just you. Right. While I could have bought everything, and I wish I had a lot of money where I could have done just that, but telling the story and saying, "Hey, just look at what's going on around us, and do what you can to be a part of this." It it does. We're we're last as Black people. We're last in everything: wealth, Mm. education, all you know. We're first in crime in, in, in this area, but it's. When you when you offer these type of economic opportunities for people um, through home ownership and Black folks, um, there's there's such a huge percentage of our wealth that's tied to our homes, right? But such a low percentage of Black people who actually own homes. Right. We have the lowest home ownership rate than we've ever had. We we have right now currently in this. 2021 environment we as black folks have the lowest we have lower home ownership rate than we had in the 60s dang and so for me my mission and my purpose is to make certain that I can help change that and I do that by offering people an opportunity to get in at the the lowest level because I can see I've been blessed with the gift of you know I can see things 20, 20 years in the future when it comes to numbers and all that type of stuff so if we're if we're if we're in a space where I'm like, yo, buy this for a thousand dollars in five years it's gonna be worth this, Man. now you have the opportunity to say, okay, I'ma sell and make my hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars and go on and do other things okay. or start the business or all that type of stuff, or shit, I'ma just ride it out yeah. until it's worth.
1: Nah, for sure. But but now it's twenty twenty-one those thousand dollar opportunities aren't there.
0: They're not there no so more. So
1: what what do you recommend, you know, somebody like or okay, like myself, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who wants to get involved yeah. but missed all those golden opportunities where do you where do you tell somebody like myself to, to start off with
0: get what you can okay. the the opportunity are not missed it's just that you you're not able to buy at $1,000 right. anymore right it's just like you know bitcoin which is hot right now right, right. if i had a known just 5 years ago to buy bitcoin at a, at a, at a dollar right People were saying do it, but I wasn't listening. Right, yeah, It's the it's, same thing. Now it's in the 40s, I
1: mean? so still the same thing. Buy it right now, wherever you can get it at, but it still has the potential.
0: It, it still has the potential because what I do know, I don't care about none of this virtual reality world, this metaverse, they ain't making no more dirt. Right. You know what I mean? And while they're trying to sell all of these computer plots of land, what we're standing on right now, we aren't getting any more of it. Mm-hmm. And so, Put your hands on as much of it as you can, especially in growing areas where you can get our people involved, you know, being able to build something that's nice, affordable, that's dope,
1: right. um,
0: architecturally amazing, and something that's gonna increase in value because that's, you know, that's what we're, most of our wealth is tied to anyway. So let's generate, let's help people generate wealth through home ownership. And that's really what I've been doing in South Dallas, you know what I mean? And so, um, so I, I really, I feel like I was a pioneer in ushering in a lot of this development that's happened. Sure. Where people from <laughs> South Dallas, people from Dallas, period, wasn't touching South Dallas. Nah, for sure. And now, yeah. shit, right now on my two streets that I was really focusing on, there's 10 houses going up right now. Mm. Four of them mine, yeah. six of them aren't. So. <laughs> yeah, so you, you've seen the,
1: the vision you had is coming to fruition. It's You're starting to see it, yeah.
0: And I'm happy about that, right? Mm. Um, it's just that when when some folks come in, because some people came in it was like, shoot, I'm about to follow the leader. Right. But they may not have the same purpose, passion, and mission as I do. So you kind of get some folks that just, you know, that just put up whatever, yeah. you know, or try to price us out. Mm. And so when we control our land, when we control our area, there's no such thing as gentrification because we control it, and right. they gotta call us to have a seat at the table. Yeah, no, for I mean? sure. So, uh,
1: that definitely makes sense, man. Yeah. Right? So, what do you say is is the the what does the future look like for you when it comes to as far as you know developing, on everything? Because you've been at this for a minute, so where do yeah. you where do you take it?
0: Yeah. So, um, I realize that we have a lack of representation in the development industry, mm-hmm. uh, and so there's not a black there's not a lot of black developers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's particularly not a lot of black affordable housing developers, which is absolutely insane to me, mm-hmm. right? And so most of affordable housing uh, residents are black and brown people. But the people who are developing those things aren't black and brown people. So that's weird as hell, right? And so my whole mission is to really, I've, I've been teaching folks how to, you know how to do this stuff and kind of giving not as much knowledge as I possibly can. So for me, I'm I'm going into one there there's there's a couple larger developments that I'm working on within South Dallas. Okay. Um 32 um, 32 duplex units uh that we're going to sell making it more affordable. Okay. Um you know, houses that if we if we sold just 2 miles to the east would be $600,000 homes, we're selling it for, you know, less way less than half of that. Oh. Uh so, you know, And then I'm I'm actually going into the hospitality industry with this Lake Noir development Mm -hmm. um, because there's not a bunch of black folks that are developing uh, hospitality-type things. And so um, that's one of the things that I'm really excited about. It's a a 15-acre retreat where we're doing luxury tiny homes, um, offering folks the opportunity to rent those out for a few days and and enjoy the man-made lake. What area is it? Uh, it's actually in Oakwood, Texas. Oakwood okay. is about an hour and a half away from Dallas, south of okay. Dallas. Uh, so that's going to be that's going to be a cool project. Uh, with that one in particular, that's that's going to be um, that's going to be a, a really large crowd fund. Okay. And so when you say, you know, how am I helping and, and bringing in other people? This is one of the ways because I'm essentially selling 30 of mm-hmm. of ownership to the people. Gotcha yes, yes. and. You know, so this is truly going to be uh, a development for us, gotcha. you know what I mean, and by us. And right. so every, everything from, you know, obviously I'm the developer, the architect is black, right. the construction consultant is black, um, a, a number of the subcontractors mm-hmm. will be black uh, and Mexican, uh, or Hispanic, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but it's, that's one of the things I'm really excited about right. going into 2022. So. So from your
1: research and experience, like how successful is crowdfunding projects. Because you know, you see it, I've seen it with, uh, what's his name, uh, Jay Morrison, you know. Mm-hmm. I've seen other people uh, do it. But from what you've seen, is that like a successful method or is that just one of the things, it's also convenient for you to give back to the people but yeah. it's proven.
0: Yeah, so it's it's successful when it's tied to an actual project, gotcha. right. Um, one of, so so Jay did a, a catalytic thing in our community. He, he demonstrated to us that when we put our collective effort, energy, and, and and money together, we can raise a bunch of capital. Right. I think he just had too many projects to where he was unable to manage it like he really, really wanted to, and right. I believe his intentions were, were, were pure right. in that. Uh, but there's been some other folks who've done dynamic fundraisers right um you know you got Chris Senegal down in Houston uh, oh, who man. did a dynamic uh fundraiser and you know I invested with him and then you got another ju uh, another guy out of Baton Rouge Julian Gordon who did a, 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 a
1: he does multifamily units right yeah he
0: did, he does the multifamily he did I'm a, a pretty have. dynamic multi-plot uh fundraiser um Reg CF and, you know, coupled with some other Regulation D, fundraise, crowdfund. So nice. it's successful when it's tied to a project and you awesome. have the right team in place to execute it. And so, um, you know, I've been looking for, you know, I, I have a number of projects, but I've been looking for a project where I can actually execute a crowdfund and bring the community in and this was this was just an opportunity. I, I initially bought this land, man, to be my hunting land. I hunt, yeah. you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. You know, and they got boar and, and turkey and, and, and quail and pheasant yeah. out there so i was like shoot this is my hunting yeah. land i'm gonna go i'm gonna go hunt but yeah. then i was just you know i was like dang we can do something bigger yeah. here so so, cool out there. so let me ask you this because people
1: are into numbers bro so like anytime you can provide value and numbers it's going to mm-hmm. intrigue people yeah. and people want to do their own research so let's just start off with crowdfunding bro like somebody who does do that it doesn't have to be your specific specific but that you've seen, mm-hmm. what are like those returns on investment for like crowdfunding?
0: You know, sometimes it, it differs per project, but okay. um, those type of projects, crowdfunds, there's there's typically some type of pref return, a preferential return, okay. uh, which, you know, which pretty much means that you get some type of dividend payment mm-hmm. uh, regardless of what the project yeah, does. Quarterly or uh, year, annually or something. Right, so it may come in the form of like a mezzanine debt, so it's, it's on your line item as a debt payment, so right. you're getting your your interest payment quarterly or whatever the case may be, plus you may have some type of percentage of the profits or percentage of the cash flow or or, or just those types of things. So um, it depends. So with this particular project, it's an 8% PREF return, which means every quarter you get an 8% interest payment on your money, and then uh, 30% of the cash flows goes to the entire fund. Okay. um, And this is, of course, after all the debts are paid and the expenses gotcha. are covered, but it still should be, you know, uh, a high six figure type of situation, oh. um, that pays out to the fund, obviously. Gotcha. So, and then when you start looking at, you know, kind of rates of returns and internal rates of return, um, most investors, uh, and savvy investors are looking for anywhere between 15 mm-hmm. or high teens to, you know, mid twenties, right. uh, as a, as a return. Um, so we're we're at about a 24 25% return right. collectively so it's a you know, it's it's going to be it's 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 yeah. a solid investment right yeah.
1: so man you so you've had formal education with it you, you have experience and then of course through your network the people you're meeting and dealing with you learn a lot where you suggest people like day one that wants to start getting real estate but has no idea to get you know what I'm saying start so you have these courses of yeah. you know how to get into wholesaling or you could work with a real estate agent and they could yeah. walk you through but somebody who really wants to go in and dedicate to becoming, you know, starting off as an investor, fixing flips, rentals, then working to develop and building projects. Like, what education route should, would you take them in?
0: Yeah, so it really real estate is so robust, right? Yeah. And so there's so many gurus, there's so many courses and classes out there. I, I, I tell people this all the time. Find you a course or class or whatever the case may be, enroll in it, take the course, and then execute. execute. The execution <laughs> is key, man, right. because people will people will talk about how something didn't work forever, and yeah. then I'm like, okay, did you work, though, yeah. you know what I mean? So you if you do. didn't work, of course it didn't work. Yeah. It's like if I tell you, you know what I mean, uh, something in, in, in class, right, if you don't go execute that on the test, you know, mm-hmm. know what I mean? You ain't doing what you need to do, bruh. Yeah. So, Find one of them courses. Learn as much as you can, and always be learning. Nah,
1: really always
0: learning. be learning. And you know, I'm, I'm, 15 years in the game at this point, and I'm mm. I'm constantly learning. I'm working on my PhD right now oh, in wow. real estate development, and so it's it's something that I'm always doing. I'm never I'm never so so far outside or into myself that yeah. I, I stop learning, because I can learn something from anybody, right. right? You just have to have an open mind. Uh, and realize that you can, right? Um, so that's one, learn. Two, go ahead and pay the money for a mentorship, mm-hmm. right? Just, just pay the money. It'll save you a lot of time, energy, and effort. Okay. Um, and you won't lose as much, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I say do, man. It's, if I had to do it all over again, I would have I would have paid a lot of money, a lot more money for a mentor. A mentor. In
1: front of you. So at this point, are there any black investors or developers within the city of Dallas that you that you look up to, or you know suggest people to follow? You know, saying to learn more or, or build a relationship with. I know for one that I'm gonna say I'll talk. Of course, outside of you is that um, we have the, the our our war show at the Hamptons Event Venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's owned by uh, Mr. Barry Brewer. It's a black guy. Okay. He's also yeah. a developer. He actually built. Um, the venue himself. Okay. I uh, have yeah. development company. Um, and one thing he had, one advice he gave in his interview was, he was like, I don't mind mentoring people, but you have to buy the land first. I can't do anything. I can't help you develop if you don't have the land. Get the land and I can help you build on it. I can mm-hmm. help you through the process. Yeah. So basically telling people, show me that you're serious. Start. Yeah. And I'll help you finish. You yeah. know what I'm saying?
0: And see, I appreciate that. Um, but I even feel like there has to be mentorship prior to that mm. because you'll you mess around and buy land wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mess yeah. around and spend too much on something thinking you can do this yeah. and, and it's not zoned properly. You don't mm. know where to go to even get a rezone. You know, you know what I'm saying you just nah. buy the land. And so I think, you know, real estate development, right? And I have to constantly teach people about the difference between development and building, right? Development is the ideation. Uh, it's the it's the planning. It's the creating the financial plans, the mm-hmm. financial analysis for a vision you may have. Okay. Right. Building is the execution of what the developer had in their mind. Gotcha. And so that's the that's the key that's the key on all of that, right? And. A lot of times people will say I want to be in real estate development. It's like, do you? Cuz developers yeah. don't get paid to the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And the end might not be until 3, 4 years later. You, you Oh mean, shit. You know, you really want to be a developer or do you want to be a builder?
1: A builder. Yeah. Right? I think people right. want to be builders. Right. Yeah. And,
0: and you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's a little different as as a developer, right. we create the plan. We put the pieces to the plan together, including the capital and mm-hmm. all that. And then we find a builder to execute that plan. Gotcha. Um, and so, when you want to go into development, and don't get me wrong, as a developer, you make the most money. Right. Right? You make, I'm talking about, the developer fee on a project can be, you know, high six figures. I've seen developer fees to, you know, seven, and, eight figures, right? Okay. Um, but a lot of times, you got to wait to the end. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Um, whereas... Builders, you know, they got that builder fee, the GC fee, whatever the case may mm-hmm. be, through the process.
1: Gotcha. Okay, um, so to give a quick blueprint, I buy a land here and I'll just say South Dallas for tomorrow. I buy the land in South Dallas. Yeah. I pay that fee, right? Now I want to build on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm hiring a builder or I'm hiring a developer?
0: you hiring a builder.
1: I'm hiring a builder. Mm-hmm. So You can
0: partner with a developer to help you create a plan for the building okay. to do.
1: So I, I'm hiring a builder and then the builder works for the architect or you got to find your own that's, architect? That's your deal. Right. So I got to find my own architect to the plans what I want to build on this land. Mm-hmm. I take, pay their fee, mm-hmm. which is what's the estimate fee for? It
0: depends. A lot of architects charge per square foot. Okay, right? You know, so if it's a thousand square foot, they may charge you a dollar fifty per square foot. So okay, so let's say fifteen
1: hundred. Fifteen hundred. Take to the builder. Um, they say take executor or not, and they charge per square foot as well, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What's a good estimate for?
0: Man, you in this environment you'll pay anywhere between eighty five and a hundred bucks a square foot. Okay. So and so that. your job as the owner, developer, is figuring out what I can sell this property for. for once it's built. Okay. And so you gotta kinda back into it. Kind of you cops, say, Okay, this is right. how much my builder's gonna charge me, these are all of my costs, my architecture fees, the cost of my mm. land, and this is how much I wanna profit. Is this gonna be a good deal? Gotcha. Right? And so that's kind of the dance that you got to play as a builder. Yeah. And that's why developing in South Dallas was so complex because values were so low. Right. But the cost to build was the cost. Of, your cost to build is the same yeah, south right. as it is north, right? right. But it's what, what we're trying to keep these values at. Gotcha. When I came there, I felt like South Dallas values were artificially deflated mm. for so many years. And what that does, people thought that was good. I didn't, right? You got you got these people who bought houses or been living in this area and their wealth is tied to their homes and you in essence telling these folks that for the past twenty years you've developed no wealth by owning yeah. your real estate. That's wild as hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When and it, it's wild as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was about I was about to go on a rant about the city of Dallas, but yeah. I'll say that for another episode.
1: Nah, no, I got you. So um,
0: <laughs> before we get out of here, but tell me this because one
1: thing I, I I salute you for is you're not only doing great things in the community, but you're also making sure that you're you're talking to the city of Dallas. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of black entrepreneurs, created we don't have the wherewithal or the I don't the confidence to go in there and actually know what we're talking about, yeah. or to ask for what we want, or to get the information. So how important has it been to have that relationship, or not relationship, but have those conversations with the city to be able to understand what you're planning to do and to move forward? And is that something you recommend people if they're really going to dive deep into what you're doing mm-hmm. that you have to you know, really be a part of what the city is going on?
0: Yeah, so this is the first thing I want to say about that. City officials in the city, they work for us, mm-hmm. right? They work for us. We pay their salary through what we spend on our taxes, right? Mm-hmm. So that's first and foremost. And so when you have somebody that works for us and if they're really doing what they need to do, you should be able to confidently, no matter what it is, confidently go in and speak to them about whatever it is that you see here on the streets. So that's first. But secondly... These people don't know what the hell going on either, (laughs) right? And so find your area of expertise, whether it's real estate, whether it's the arts, whether it's music, whatever it is, find your area of expertise, and you talk about that to whoever you need to talk about that with down at the city. You know, it's young folks have a prime opportunity because everybody is so old Mm. right now in all the city official positions, with the exception of a few, but folks are old. And they need us right now. They need us to come in with fresh ideas, with the newness, uh, innovative ideas, and innovative execution that will allow them to push things through. Um, And so I say stand in your confidence, stand in your purpose, whatever it may be, and go talk to these people who are making decisions about our lives on a daily basis. I tell people this all the time. Our local politicians, this shit's more important right now than what's happening in DC, right? right? Because they are dictating who gets the new roads. They're dictating where the new street lights go. They're dictating if there's a bike lane or a fixed fucking sidewalk for your kids to ride on the Mm. damn sidewalk, you know what I'm saying, with their bikes. Those are the people who are making those decisions. And it could be a small thing like, hey, this four block section of road in this area hasn't been fixed in 20 years. And we don't have a working street light on these blocks. Can we get that? Right. And you get, you get your neighbors to rally around that. And there's areas in South Dallas, specifically my street, that have been... I literally went on Google Maps yesterday and looked at the streets from 2007, where I am. And they, they hadn't been fixed since 2007. They literally look the same. Wow, that's crazy. It's the same. And so those are some of the things we got to say, hey, look, I don't know anything about you yeah. know building a road but I know we need a road built, so go figure out how we can get that done. And that's, you know, you just tell them, hey, we need to figure out how to get this in the next bond package. Right. Y'all got money set aside for this, you're right. Yeah, sure. So I say go in it, man, and really just get connected to the city officials and, and, and see what it is you need in your area. Mm. You know, see past what's right in front of you, right? right? And, and understand that a lot of the decision that you're seeing today were planned 10 years ago mm. and so if you're thinking about a community that you're living in and what it's going to look like 10 years from now go and holler at those folks today so like right the now because uh-huh. city moves slow government moves slow so they might pass a bill today they may pass an ordinance today in the city but it ain't gonna get implemented years. until yeah. years later uh-huh. so y'all work hard for that yeah
1: that's great, man. Definitely gotta do a part two, bro. Cause yeah. you to... Man, <laughs> I got then. so much more, bro, yeah. but <laughs> Yeah, you got such a gems, bro. Yeah. But I'll say this, bro, for this part one, bro. Leave leave our audience with bro with some with, you know, some type of encouragement just to get started. I think that's the hardest part for people, right? Yeah. Is get started, man. Or, you know, one piece of advice you wish you wouldn't uh, had early on, you know what I'm saying to get started. But leave us with, you know, one of those Scotty gems. you know what I'm saying? Um
0: I think the most important thing about getting started is mindset. and uh, and words that you use, Um, you know, stop saying I'm trying to do this. Guilty. You know what I mean? Just do, right? Um, OG Yoda (laughs) (laughs) from Star Trek (laughs) said, you know, there is no try, there's only do or not do. And so we have to make certain that we're putting in our mind the right things Mm -hmm. so that our actions match what we say. And subconsciously, we don't realize that our actions do match what we say. Mm-hmm. It's just that what we're saying right. might not be the right direction. It might not be the positive stuff. And so um, take control of your thoughts. Um, really be grounded in what your purpose is. And understand that um, our biggest resource is our resourcefulness. And, uh, <laughs> and, and and that's important. Our biggest resource is our resourcefulness. Lean on the people around you. Um, ask questions, be inquisitive, and always be learning. So.
1: Always be learning. I learned a lot today, man. I appreciate you. Absolutely. brother. Thanks, Great conversation, you. man. I'm sure you guys learned a lot today, a lot of value. Um, please give the people where to follow you. I know you're really behind the scenes grinding, but I really think the people need to get tapped in with you. Give yeah. them the social media.
0: Yeah, tap in with me on uh, on Instagram, Scotty L. Smith. Real simple, Scotty, S-C-O-T-T-I-E, L. Smith. I'm the guy with the, with the big smile on the picture, man. So uh, I'm going to do better with sharing some of this yeah. journey. I think, uh, like you said, the people probably oh, man, will man. be really interested. But it ain't going to be no pretty pretty content. It's going to be real right. rap raw. <laughs> That's what we need. We need it real. We
1: need it raw for real because, you know, a lot of stuff has been fabricated. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of stuff is a facade. The grind is ugly, yeah, you yeah. know. But it's important to show, man. So appreciate y'all for tuning in and tapping in. Make sure y'all lock in with Scotty Smith. And uh, as always, please continue to live the on life. Peace. Peace. Hey guys, what's good? Thanks for supporting Coastline Magazine by watching this video. If you really enjoyed this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share.